Amen. Thank you, Jan. And our God is ever faithful. Amen. Turn in your Bibles, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we're once again in verses 10 through 11, and we're in the midst of what I believe is the most important series that I've preached since I've been here at this church. It is a rather lengthy one entitled Purpose, Mission, and Vision. From that point of view, it started on May the 6th, when I preached about a two or three series message on purpose and what is purpose. So let me lay the framework for that. From Ephesians 1, uh, we understand that our purpose basically comes down to this. We exist and pursue our mission because of God's work in us, what he's done for us, and what he's called us to do. Plain and simple. It is the why of the Christian life. It is the fuel. It is what motivates us. It is what drives us. And because of what God's done in my life and what he's called me to do, I want to pursue and I want to fulfill the mission that he has for me. Well, what is the mission? What is a mission? It's a little bit different. The idea of a mission is something you do in light of that purpose and for whom you do it as well. And you came up with a wonderful mission statement. I will even say you knocked it out of the park. Use a little Astros illustration there. You knocked it out of the park. This was yours. And it goes like this. And let me include this in what you have before you. And I would encourage you, if you have a pen or a pencil, to write it down beside it in your worship bulletin. Building upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. Building upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. People become mature disciples at our church by loving God. That means having a worshiping relationship with him and understanding we love him because he first loved us. And not this emotional love, but a, a volitional, decisional, devotional type of love. Loving others, whether they be lost or saved, but loving others. Serving all, and then making disciples. And I believe this ought to be the house that we build as a church. It's also the house you build as an individual. I believe this is something that the Word of God teaches. I believe it's, it may be phrased differently for different congregations or for different individuals, but you can't get past the fact that our lives have to be built on Jesus Christ. Would you not agree? And loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength ought to be the first and greatest commandment to quote Jesus. The second that's like it, love your neighbor as yourself. He calls us to serve like he served. And then the greatest calling on our life is the Great Commission, which is to make disciples. It's a commitment. It's not knowledge. Satan probably knows more Bible than I do. It's not about knowledge. It's about commitment to Christ, his church, and the Great Commission. Christ, his church, and the Great Commission. But I want to peel back down off of this spiritual building down to the foundation one more time because we started last week talking about building upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. And I want to finish that conversation. Well, I want to finish sharing with that with you today as we continue to look at the importance of this bottom piece of our spiritual house, which is the foundation upon which we build. So if you'll stand in honor of God's word, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 10 and 11, Paul says these words to the Corinthian church. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. 
For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you just help me to faithfully and clearly preach your word today. Pray that we'll hear you speak to us all about the importance of the foundation that our lives must be built upon. Father, I just pray you'll work through me, a sinner, and that other sinners might find the Savior today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, what does it mean to build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ? There's a passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 6. I mentioned last week to you that has to do with Jesus saying how important that foundation is. He finished up at the end of chapter 6 with his Sermon on the Mount, and he said these words basically to them. He said, whoever takes these sayings of mine and builds upon them, he was like a man who built a house upon the rock, and the storms came, the winds blew, but the house stood because it was built upon what? The rock. But then who does not build upon these sayings of mine is like a person who builds a house not on the rock, and the storms come and the winds blew, and it didn't stand because he was not built on the rock. It means to build on the foundation of Jesus Christ means to be all in. It means that when you come to build the foundation of your life, and if any of you have lived in a house, and I think that's most of you, you know what a foundation is like. You know how important a foundation is. You know that if a foundation cracks or is unstable, not only does the foundation suffer, the whole house suffers. Would you not agree? So you understand how important that is, and you can't get away as a believer. You cannot get away with professing that Jesus is your foundation and building your house on a separate foundation. Because in time, your life will show upon whom you build your foundation. And make note of the passage from the end of Luke chapter 6. Storms are going to come to everybody. Do you notice that? Jesus never said if you build on the rock, the storms will stop. He just says if you build on the rock, and when the storms come, you'll stand. So I want you to see the importance of building upon the right foundation. And it's the Jesus of the Bible that you're building it on, because there are different beliefs about Jesus in our culture, especially in our multicultural Fort Bend County. There's the Jesus of the Jehovah's Witnesses. Beloved, it's not the same Jesus. There's the Jesus of Mormonism. It's not the same Jesus. There's the Jesus even of modern culture, where we sort of create this Jesus who is sweet and lovable and And Jesus is the epitome of love, but let's be honest, if you read the gospel, there's about 10 times when people wanted Jesus' head on a platter, and it wasn't because he was popular, and it wasn't because he was nice. So there was times that Jesus of the Bible confronted people and challenged people, especially the religious establishment, with regard to what they did. So understand it's the Jesus of the Bible The Jesus of the Word of God, the Jesus who was there at the beginning of the creation and who will be there at the very end is the one to whom we are building the foundation of our lives. We are to trust in Him, to give our lives to Him, to turn to Him, to confess Him as Lord, to commit your life to Him. And that's what it means to be a Christian, to be a little Christ, to build on that foundation. Last week we talked about two of these. We talked about building upon the person of Jesus Christ, building upon the works of Jesus Christ. Let me share with you briefly those verses just as a reminder. The person of Jesus Christ, I think, is reflected well in Colossians 1, 15 through 18, where Paul said these words. 
Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Notice that. Creation's for him, not for you, for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things Jesus may have the preeminence. So are you building your foundation on who Jesus is? Secondly, on his work. On his work. There were three passages I mentioned. This is where we started, John 5, 36. Because there's three from John that speak to the importance of believing and trusting in his works. John 5, 36, Jesus said this, I have a greater witness than John the Baptist. And that's who he's talking about. For the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. Jesus' works testify to who he is. And John makes these two great statements at the end of the Gospel of John. John 21, he says these words. And there are also many other things that Jesus did which were, if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. That means we have no idea how busy he was in those three years of ministry he had. We have a glimpse. We have the Reader's Digest version. But he was so busy. And then it goes on to say in John 20, in the previous chapter, John says this, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Talking about the Gospel of John. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus Christ, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So are you believing in his works? Are you believing in what he's done for you and what he's prepared for you? And do you believe in who he is? If you're going to build on the foundation of Jesus, you've got to do that. Let's look at number three. And there's five instead of four this week. Are you building upon the promises of Jesus? Are you building upon the promises of Jesus? Listen to what Peter said in 2 Peter. Grace and peace be multiplied to you and in the knowledge of God and of, our G of Jesus our Lord as his divine power is given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him, that's Jesus, who called us by glory and virtue by which we have been, has been given to us, notice this, not promises, not precious promises, not great and precious promise, but, but exceedingly great and precious promises. That through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Look at the power of God's promises in the believer's life. The knowledge we gain through a first-hand relationship with Jesus. That knowledge gives to us exceedingly great and precious promises that shape our lives and moves us away from worldly lust toward godly living. And that's what it's all about. It's about trusting in the promises of God. I think one of my favorite passages that speaks to this is found in John 14, 1 through 6. And you've heard it before. It's a great one for any Christian to know. When Jesus says to his followers, the day before he is going to die... He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Here's promise one. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Promise from God. 
And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And old doubting Thomas, not believing the promise, says these words. We don't know where you're going, and we don't know the way. And then Jesus says in John 14, 6, he says, Thomas, I am the way. Another promise. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Building your life on the promises of God. You cannot build on the foundation of Jesus Christ and neglect the promises of God. Because that's what we believe. We don't believe the promises. Why trust Jesus in the first place? So are you believing in the promises of God? Number four, build upon the commands of Jesus. Build upon the commands of Jesus. Now this has a special place in my heart because I think we've been through about 23 or 24 of these commands in separate sermons since I've been here. If you want a chance to hear those, there's an archive section on our media library on our website you can peel back through and see those different commands. But let me share with you these two significant passages that speak to the importance of those commands. Jesus says them in John and in John's letter. He says, first, if you love me, keep my commands. If you love me, keep my commands. Old country preacher, I knew James Messer, once said it this way. He asked this question to the congregation. Do you love Jesus according to Jesus? See, you can say you love Jesus, but if you don't keep his commands, what does the word of God say? Do you really love him? John goes on to reiterate this in his letter at the end of the Bible when he says, by this we know that we know him. That we do what? We keep his commands. I mean, it really is that clear. And this is even emphasized even more when you look at the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18, 19, and 20, when Jesus says these words, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he says this, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you to do. Now that word to observe, which is what the word keep means and what the word observe means, very same word means to obey and to fulfill a duty. It means to perform it watchfully. It is the idea of obedience. Listen, it's obedience with an attitude of diligence. Now, we've, had, we've all had to obey things in our lives, but we haven't necessarily been diligent about it. Our heart hadn't been in it. Have you ever been there? I've been there. Okay? But this is obedience with an attitude of diligence. Let me share with you some of the commands of Christ very quickly. Starting in Matthew 4, 17, Jesus commands, repent, follow me, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, let your light shine, reconcile with others, keep your word, refrain from particular behaviors, pray in a particular way, invest for heaven, don't worry, seek the kingdom. I bet you know where that's at. Judge rightly. Ask, seek, knock. Practice the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Enter the narrow gate and take the narrow way. Beware of false teachers. Take heart and be courageous. At Matthew 9, I'm now at. Lift up your eyes and see spiritual needs. Plead God for spiritual laborers. Go and preach. Be mindful of your surroundings and holy in your life and fear rightly. Be bold and proclaim the gospel. Don't assume 
anything. Isn't that true? Come, take, and learn from Jesus. The end of Matthew 11. He who has ears, let him hear. And if you hear, understand. Give others something to eat physically and spiritually. Bring others to Jesus. Come, walk on water. Live above the storms. Take risks. Live a life of faith. Leave some people whom you offend alone. Deny yourself and take up your cross. Now, this was not Jesus' command, but I think it's important. Hear Jesus above all others. Hear Jesus above all others. That comes from God himself, God the Father. So I think we need to listen to that one too. Matthew 17, Mount of Transfiguration. Comes down in a cloud. This is my beloved son. Hear him. Pay your taxes. Y'all awake yet? Don't stand in the way of children coming to Jesus. Deal with sin between you and others in the church. Forgive abundantly. Honor marriage. Give what keeps you from following Jesus up and follow Jesus. Lead as a servant. Do the small things that I tell you to do. Ask in prayer with a believing heart. And the last one that I'll mention, which is number 44, is give the secular authorities and the government their due honor and tribute, but you make sure God gets his. Give unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. If you're building your life on the foundation of Jesus, it's vital that you know and keep the commands of Christ. So I ask you, do you personally care what Jesus told you to do, and do you desire to do it? Do you love Jesus according to Jesus? And finally, build upon the sayings of Jesus. Build upon the sayings of Jesus. And I pulled this one out as an example. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Sometimes Jesus just said stuff. He just said stuff. It wasn't anything about himself or what he did or even what he was doing. It wasn't necessarily a promise that he made or a command he gave. Sometimes he just said stuff. But if every word of Jesus recorded in Scripture is important, and I believe it is, don't you? Do you believe every word of Jesus is important in Scripture? Then even when he's just saying stuff, we better pay attention. Like this passage in Matthew, and it has implications for us. We're the salt of the earth. Not we were the salt of the earth, or we will be the salt of the earth. Jesus says you are the salt of the earth. The question is, are we good salt or bad salt? That's the question. The men and women of Jesus' day understood the implications of this phrase. We know this at least. If salt loses its purpose and becomes good for nothing, then it is used in ways that it was not ever intended to be used. And the implication from Jesus was clear to them. God intended you for a purpose. If you forsake it, forget it, or forego that purpose, then you are only useful for things that you were never intended for. That's the implication of the saying. The sayings of Jesus have implications in our lives, and we ought to take those sayings seriously. After all, Jesus said those who build their lives on these sayings will withstand 
the storms, did he not? So what does it mean to build upon the foundation of Jesus? It means you trust in him. You give your life to him. You turn to him. You confess him as Lord. You commit your life to him. And you do that by believing he is who he said he is. By believing he did what he said he did. By trusting in his promises and living accordingly. By obeying his commands out of love for him and doing his sayings. So I leave you with these two statements that I ask you to personally and individually consider today and as a church to consider. Upon what foundation are you building your life today? Because that's what matters. Now, you may tell me it's Jesus. But if you were to dig down into the foundation of your life, what was holding everything up, would it be? Would it be? Or would it be your job, your family, uh, your aspirations, your career, your, your bank account, your whatever, your social status? All of those by themselves are not bad. Y'all hear what I say? But if you build your life on any other foundation than Jesus, you're asking for trouble. So are you building your life on the foundation of Jesus? In church, we ought to be building our church on the foundation of Jesus as well. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. I don't know where you are in your relationship with the Lord today, but if you've never trusted in Christ, he invites you to come today. Now is the appointed time of salvation. Never given your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Today is the day to do that. He offers you eternal life, abundant life, a home in heaven. The gospel offer is clear. That if you will confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you'll call upon the name of the Lord, you'll, you shall be saved. What does that mean, Brother John? It means you acknowledge to him that what you've been building your life on is not what you want to keep building your life on. No matter how good you think it is, it will not stand any storms of life. Only Jesus and him as a foundation will withstand the storms. So today means you're giving up that old foundation for the new one found in Jesus. Why don't you do that today? There's no reason you can't do that today. God's speaking to your heart. You've become convicted of your sin because of that. You need to do that today. I'll be down front to pray with you. I'll be glad to talk with you after the service. But don't leave without dealing with that today and making sure your, your house, your spiritual house, your house of your life is built on the right foundation. Maybe you're here today and, and you're interested in becoming a member of our church. We'd love to talk to you about that. We'd love to pray with you about that and see where God leads. Become a part of a church family is a big commitment. We'd love to discuss that with you. Maybe you want to know about baptism. Maybe you just want to rededicate your life. You realize that you started off with the foundation of Jesus, but you've been doing this individual building project over here that is not built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to get that straight today. In just a second, you're going to hear only trust him. That really is the call, to only trust him. Let me pray for us, then we'll stand for our invitation.
Father, I pray that you will speak to our hearts during this time. Father, I pray if there's somebody that needs to respond, I pray that you would help them to respond today. Lord, we know that you're the only foundation upon which we can build our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.